Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Nicomachean Ethics, Book 5, Aristotle's overarching topic is, is what is justice? He doesn't start out by giving a definition, and he doesn't start out by saying, here is how I'm going to lay it out. Instead, what he says is, it's an equivocal term, people disagree about this, and that's something that I think you've experienced. Thanksgiving is coming up pretty soon, so you know, just for an example, what are some of the things you shouldn't talk about at the dinner table if you don't like it, people rile up and start yeah. Politics or religion. Yeah, they say politics, religion, and then, and then it varies. Um, some people say you shouldn't talk about finances, other people don't talk about sex. And why the religion, okay, people have different viewpoints. Sometimes it has to do with justice and fairness, sometimes it doesn't. But politics is by its very nature about justice, about fairness. And people have different conceptions of what exactly this consists of. And not only may they have different conceptions based on their experiences or their, their personal interests, their class, history, who's been screwed before, who's been on top before, all that sort of stuff. The very nature of justice itself is complicated. And there's a tendency among people to make it simpler than it is. And every time that you oversimplify something that's complex, it's going to blow up in their face sooner or later. You'll realize this when you get a little bit older if you try to simplify your taxes. You, know, you don't feel like actually doing what the IRS wants you to do. You're just going to like write in some numbers that seem right to you. You'll get audit, right? Because things are more complicated. Same thing happens in relationships, you know. Tell your spouse, we just have these problems. Here's what my part is, here's what your part is. All very simple, and then watch the situation blow up. So the same thing happens with claims of you did the right thing, you did the wrong thing, this is right, this is wrong. We have different conceptions of this. It's an inherently complex thing. So one of the things that's running through all of Aristotle's stuff is justice, if we want to talk about it in a full set, is some sort of disposition or habit. This is what would make it a virtue. Or if you want to say injustice is a vice, then it has to be something that you're saying about people. Not just situations, not just actions, but about people. If you want to say somebody is themselves unjust, we don't usually say that term. We say they're unfair. They're you know, a bad person in this respect. You have to be able to give some sort of explanation in terms of how they typically act, something that's part of their, their character. So what does justice make a person likely to do? It makes them act to be just. Well, that's nice, but that doesn't tell you a lot because we still don't know what it is to be just, right? Aristotle also says it makes you act justly. And it also, like a virtue ought to, makes you want or desire justice to occur, when, you know, whether it's yourself, whether it's others. So in this respect, it's like all the other virtues. If you're a courageous person, you like when other people are courageous, it bothers you when other people are cowards or rash. If you're a temperate person, you don't like seeing other people overindulge, it kind of turns you off, and you like seeing people restrain their appetites. If you have good humor, you don't go too far, you don't like when people do go too far and engage in humor that's just vicious or hurting other people or in very bad taste. But when, when people have something to say that's funny and within the you know boundaries of good taste, you love it. 
It's the same way with justice. If you actually are a just person, you not only do the right thing, you want to do the right thing. And you recognize the, the goodness in it. Now, you could like justice without already being a just person. You're, you can struggle to be a just person. The person who's fully just doesn't have to struggle a lot. The rest of us probably do have to struggle quite a bit against our, you know, our instincts and appetites and when we want to like make exceptions for ourselves and that sort of thing. The person who's unjust generally doesn't realize that they're unjust. Their viewpoint has become skewed. They have a moral blindness. But again, has this told us what justice really consists in? Not yet. What I want to do at the start is lay out six different ways in which Aristotle talks about justice or injustice. And you might not have caught these when you're reading this through for the first or second or even third time, or I didn't catch these for, for years. It took me a while to, to ferret these out. Because the way Aristotle presents it is, is confusing at parts. He actually, like, does something. If he, if he was teaching, if he, if he was lecturing, and a lot of people think these are lecture notes, he kind of screwed his audience over by saying, I'm going to talk about two kinds of justice, and then talking about three kinds. And saying, oh yeah, by the way, there's this other kind, and I'm throwing it in, and it's not, it's not either one of these others. But we'll get to that in a moment. But first he starts out by saying, all right, we want to understand what all this means. Maybe it would be helpful to look at the opposite of justice, injustice. So when we say that somebody is unjust, how do we understand that? What do we mean? And he says there's two main ways in which we, we get this. So one of these is that the person breaks the law. They violate the, the norms. They break the rules. Think about cheating, for example, right? And in, say, a test. What are the rules that a person who's cheating is breaking? It might be something like you're not allowed to bring in notes to, you know, like crib notes. What are other ways people cheat? I suppose if you're really, you know, sophisticated, you'd have like an earpiece and some like <laughs> answers or something like that. You can like seal it if you're looking for answers. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting one because the other thing that he talks about is people being unfair and looking at somebody else's answers is kind of being unfair. It's like taking your, your more than your fair share. But there's usually rules like don't look at other people's work, right? Or you can't bring in notes. You can't have extra devices. You can't steal the test ahead of time to, to, to look at it. So one way to understand injustice is breaking the law. So the opposite of that would be, it's called a law of violence. Those who follow the law are just in that sense. So you pay your taxes, you register your car, what are other things you engage in? When you're engaged in you know, transactions, you pay for the pizza that you bought, you pay for the clothes. You're being a just person, at least in a trivial sense. You're not breaking any rules. You sign yourself up for something, you follow through on what you do. That's being just. Another way of thinking about it is in terms of fairness, and we'll get to that. He takes a little digression, and you may have found this stuff really confusing, because what are the laws supposed to do? The laws are not just supposed to be like a bunch of guardrails that keep us from being complete jerks to each other. In ancient philosophy and in medieval philosophy as well, even in a lot of modern philosophy, laws are understood as having a role in making us good people. So he has an example, he says, you know, the law says when you get angry, you're not allowed to just go hit people. The law can't actually make you, like, forgive people, but by restraining you from hitting, it's supposed to be teaching you certain boundaries that you should respect. So it can promote a minimal level of virtue. 
Um, like Martin Luther King said, you know, the law can't make a man love me, but it can keep him from, from killing me. That's a game. But beyond that, when laws are actually done well, when institutions are functioning well, when cultures, bless you, and societies are working well, they actually make people virtuous. They inculcate values like temperance, courage, good humor, friendliness, you know, all these things that we've looked at before. So in a certain sense, justice, if we want to look at it in like the really big picture, would be what Aristotle calls complete virtue. And he qualifies this by saying that it's virtue towards others or social. To be a just person in this sense means going beyond just obeying the law. It means sort of cultivating the, the various virtues for the sake not only of making yourself better, but of making your relations with other people better. And correlatively, to be unjust towards other people, or to be, to be vicious towards other people, is in a certain way to be unjust towards them. So think about anger, for example. Let's, let's not take the anger response itself. Think about holding grudges. We can recognize that holding grudges is not a good form of behavior, right? And it's bad for you to hold grudges because it affects you negatively and you know, it makes you an angry, sour person over time. But it's also unjust in relation to the people who we should forget. By the way, Aristotle doesn't think you should forget it. We'll talk about that a little bit later. He thinks there's some things you definitely shouldn't forget. He's not a turn the other cheek kind of guy. But he does think that in a lot of cases, having a disposition of good temper means that you actually do forgive people and you try not to hold grudges. That would be part of what he's called complete virtue. Being temperate could be about you making sure that you don't eat too much, don't drink too much, don't pursue the wrong kind of pleasure so it doesn't mess up your own body and make it tough for you to, to live a good life. But it could also be towards others. Like, for instance, I have children, so I ought to try to live a long time for my kids because that's part of being a good parent for them. So if I don't take care of my body, it's not just a choice I'm making about my own relationship with myself or even just my spouse. We're both out of shape. You know, that's why we're going to the gym together. But it's in relation to other people who count. You know, there's other ways you could think about this, too. If I... If I allow myself to become morbidly obese and diabetic, I become a burden on the rest of society because, you know, in our society, there's this expectation that somebody else should pay for my insulin and pay for my treatments and all that sort of stuff. So that could be a form of injustice. Now, Aristotle then talks about fairness. And here's where, he, again, he gets confusing. He says, um, we're going to talk about two kinds of unfairness, and then he smuggles a third. And this is what he calls partial justice. So the two kinds that he talks about, and we'll go into these in a bit more detail in a couple minutes, are what he calls justice in distribution. So I'm going to call this distributive justice. Sometimes it's called commutative justice. And the basic idea behind this is when you have goods that can be shared among people, like, like money, for example, or specifically in terms of money, not just wealth, but income, you know, for, for getting jobs done, or <laughs> political positions, honors. We can think of a lot of other things. We'll do some brainstorming about that in a couple of minutes. These can be distributed fairly, or people can try to take more than their fair share at the expense of others. Doesn't that often happen when it comes to, say, taking the credit for things? Why don't you guys like doing group assignments when you don't like doing group assignments? Basically, you're already shaking your head. Because one person ends up doing all the work, and then everyone else just like gets to go on through that. Yeah, that's the worst case scenario, right? Sometimes even like you have like five people in the group, 
and four people do the work, and then that one other person is right. the, the, the moocher, the free rider. Yeah. You have to depend on that to do uh, quality work. Ah. Some people might just, I mean, they'll do the work, but whatever, they'll show face, but it'll be absolutely god awful. Yeah. And then you get a bad grade, and you're like, this is unfair, right? Because the grades are the good one. The grades are not being distributed in accordance with what? Your effort, your your output. With somebody have a hand up. Yeah. Yeah, basically the same thing. Sometimes you, if they do their work, you end up spending even more time editing it. <laughs> In which case, you are making a greater contribution than they are, so you should have a greater reward. That, that's a very basic notion of things. When we're dividing up, say, food at the dinner table, should we give everybody exactly the same portion, or should some people give, give more? Well, it really depends, right? If they're all exactly having the same bodily needs, then it makes sense to give everybody the same portion. I hate going to events like that because, you know, even if you take, like, the extra pounds off of me, my ideal weight is something about, like, uh, 220 pounds because I got a big frame and I'm a big guy. And so if you're going to give me the same little healthy portion as you give some 110-pound woman next to me, I'm going to be hungry. I, I probably need, you know, two or three of those. You, you, you know what that's like, you know. Uh, if you're physically active, you actually need more food. Right? If you're actually engaged in, in uh, manual labor, you probably need more food than somebody who's sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. Uh, is distributive justice a part of partial justice or the acceptance? Good question. So partial justice is a category that Aristotle is going to use. Distributive justice is one type of partial justice. I mean, put the other one up there. This he calls corrective, and sometimes it's called rectificatory, which is hard to say, hard to remember, justice. When things have gotten out of whack, when the distribution is wrong, when people have taken more than their fair share, corrective justice sets things right. That is also a form of, of partial justice. And Aristotle says this can happen a lot of different ways. Think about criminal law, the way that that works. If we put somebody in prison, we're not just incapacitating them. We're not just keeping them out of the pool of general population where they could hurt other people. We're imposing a penalty. We're taking something away from them, freedom, right? A lot of other things, too, like eating good food, you know, a lot of economic hardships that come with it. We're taking that away because they already had too much of something else. Here's where he then says, oh, and by the way, there's also... Reciprocity. And that's not the same as this, and it's not the same as this, but sometimes it looks like this. Um, so if you got confused at that point, you should have gotten confused at that point. You were actually following along, and, and he threw something in that wasn't supposed to be there. It, it does fit in there. Reciprocity is this very basic conception of when you do good for somebody else, they should do good for you. When you do harm or bad to somebody else, they should be able to do harm to you. So what we call poetic justice, or when the punishment fits the crime. Are you guys familiar with some of these uh, these judicial decisions where somebody will have a, a judge will impose a, a punishment that's not a standard kind of punishment because they want the offender to actually see how they're affecting other people. Some parents do this with, have you seen these Facebook memes where like there'll be a kid who got drunk or something and then there'll be like them with a sign saying, I, I'm being forced to pull post this on Facebook because I thought it was fun to go out and get drunk and my mom's making me do this. That's one of those, you know, punishment fits the crime kind of things. Have you guys seen these? Yeah? No? Some of you have? 
So reciprocity is a different kind of fairness. And, and you know, when we get upset with friends and we say, hey, how come I do these nice things for you and you don't do them for me? We're complaining about a lack of reciprocity. We're not complaining about the fact that we have like, you know, a kitty that we're all pulling out of and, and you're taking more than you deserve or about you know, corrective things not being completely right. We're saying, hey, on a basic level, if I listen to your BS when you vent about things, you can take the time to listen to mine. Attention is a good that we give to each other. Or, you know, I remember your birthday. Why can't you remember my birthday? People, people get very upset about that sort of thing. Facebook is also not helpful, too, because you guys probably have a lot of friends feel under pressure to, like, you know, put something on everybody's wall on happy birthday. I just, you know what I did? I quit putting happy birthday on anybody's wall about a year ago. And uh, my wife put something, I'll, like, piggyback on hers and say, yeah, for me, too. That's Facebook, you know. Facebook is not real life. Yeah. And we have, you know, we have different sorts of friendships. Some are closer than, than others. But I generally don't do it to anybody. In part because if I'm going to like do it for some people, then I feel like I should do it for everybody, right? I don't feel like I got like you know 400 Facebook. Friends. I know some of you have probably way more than that. I don't feel like keeping up with 400 people's birthdays. I'm actually taking my own birthday off so that nobody can wish me happy birthday or make me feel guilty about not wishing them a happy birthday. But that's all reciprocity. You see the difference between that and these other forms? There's one other type that he talks about and doesn't talk about it an awful lot. And the best way to translate it is equity. It's called FBA case. Uh, maybe appropriateness would be another way to translate it. And that generally has to do with legal justice and it tempers legal justice. So I know, I know another word that would actually, especially for CJ majors, this would fit in exactly with one of the terms that comes up, which is discretion. When you have the capacity to, op to operate with discretion, that's what Aristotle is calling equity. What discretion is, is being able to loosen up or not apply the full rigor of the law or the rule or the procedure. So... To take an example that we use for the application assignments, if the professor doesn't apply the, the policy to the student who's been found cheating and instead allows her to retake the, the test, that could be what we call equity or discretion. Uh, and there's a lot of cases where we need to do this, in part because laws and rules and procedures are often kind of blunt instruments. So in some cases, it's more just to operate with what Aristotle calls a flexible measure. So you notice, justice means all these different things. So if you are getting into an argument with somebody, it might be because you have this in mind and they have this in mind. Or you have this in mind and they have this in mind. You want to be able to clarify what sense of justice are you actually talking about? What sense of right and wrong, of fairness, of legality are you actually putting on the table? Or else you're going to run into all these sorts of arguments. And even within this, there, there, if people can get into arguments, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, but then he, Aristotle's making, like, claim on identifying what justice is, but he names all these things and they can contradict each other, but they can't coexist at the same time. Sometimes. Yeah, there are going to be conflicts where they will contradict each other. Not all of them all, all at the same time. Yeah, but I'm saying um, two, say, can contradict each other. Like, what you just said. Yeah, equity and law by this. You have equity precisely because the law on this part is going to, it's, it's an instrument of justice, but it can become unjust. 
distributions could be made at one point in time, and then later on you realize, oh, that, that looked fair at the time, but it was really unfair, so we need to correct it. We need to make reparations. We need to change the matrix of opportunities or things like that. Reciprocity can quite often get into conflict with these two, in part because distributive justice is often based on a like a proportionality. We're going to get into that in a minute. Whereas reciprocity is more one-on-one. So, but that's the sort of grand scheme of what's going on in that book. So you can see there, there's a lot of room for getting into conflict about this. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.